0: Everybody knows Einstein. If you want to talk about somebody being a genius, you mention Einstein. He's a genius. All kinds of intellect, intelligence. He wrote a letter to a woman that had just lost her husband, I think. And you know what he said? He said that, a little fact words in this, but said, Time is just a delusion. A delusion, you think something's there and it's not there. So time is just a delusion. Well, he's the one that came up with these wormholes. And if you could get him one of them and travel at the speed you'd have to go, that you get back thousands of years ago. Time travel. That's what all that's built on, this, this idea of time travel. Back to the future stuff, that's that's all fantasy stuff. But where it came from was guys like Albert Einstein. He said time is delusional. Well, he, he died about two weeks after that. Guess what? He ran out of time. No, time is not delusional. Of course not. Now, Time won't be forever because ultimately there will be an eternity. Eternity past, eternity future, and we're in time now, but it's not delusional. But listening to somebody like that, it changes everything. People live according to that. So, no, it's anything but delusional. Look at Mark 10. Mark chapter 10. Start reading verse 46. And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus. The son of Timaeus sat by the highway side side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. That means be quiet. But he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose (coughs) and came to Jesus. (coughs) And Jesus answered (coughs) and said to him, what wilt thou that I should do unto thee? And the blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. <coughs> May the Lord ask bless the reading of that portion of Mark 10. Now I ask this question. We've got a lot of things going on in this world today. People, many people think that that the second coming of the Lord is near. Well, I have to say that it is nearer than it ever has been. But how near, I don't know. Are there things that are being fulfilled? I think they are every day. Do I think that he can come any minute? I really don't. I think there's some things that have to be fulfilled yet, but I believe it's closer than it's ever been. (coughs) And I know this, the whole world (coughs) is readier to receive the Antichrist than they've ever been. We've had lots of things going on and people are ready for it, that's all. Now, a lot of people, religions and like to talk about how concerned they are about people. Well, just how concerned are they about people? Well, I don't know. Politicians buy votes by promising great benefits to people. Churches aggrandize themselves by claiming to lift up the downtrodden. You've got all kinds of giveaway programs and things. That people do, and I don't want to say charitable work. We give away Thanksgiving baskets, and we try to feed the hungry. Anytime they, we can have an opportunity, we do that. We haven't given out food lately because we haven't got any. I think with all the downturn in the economy, I don't think it's available like it was. But anybody can come here and get something to eat. We've always been that way. But we don't do that to claim how good we are. We do it because that's what we must do. Because we are believers and we must be like the Lord and we give. So anyway, people want you to give want to give as long as they get credit for it. Now that's that's the way it is in this world. Uh, they're talking about on Fox News that well, was yesterday, this early this morning, I don't know when it was. It uh, may have been yesterday, uh, about all the lo- giant corporations, how many tens of millions of dollars that they have given away in the last several years, and, and also how many people they've fired and cut back on. But they've given all these millions away. If they hadn't given the millions away, they could have kept the people working. But who are they giving it away to? Well, they're not giving it to benefit people. They're giving it, giving it to benefit Black Lives Matter, LGBT, and just such stuff as that. That's what they're financing. The things that are further bringing our country down. Well, this uh, fellow I've got several books by him, uh, Roussas Rushduny, you ever heard of him? Uh, brilliant writer. He got a book, The Politics of Guilt and Pity, and his thesis in that book is that the majority of people give give charitably out of a guilty conscience <laughs> to try to soothe a guilty conscience. And You talk about what makes you feel good to give. Well, it might, it might do that. I'm sure it does. I don't want to say everybody does that for guilty out of a guilty conscience, but uh, ask the question, who will help? People need help. I see these uh, people go to, to Africa, doctors without borders. That's great. I'm, I'm all for that. But then they go over there and they fix the cleft pallets and do all that for those little kids. Now, aren't they fighting? Aren't they at war in the Sudan right now? You hear about that? I mean, there's bullets flying in, in the Sudan. So you go over there and fix them up and somebody kills them. Who's going to help? Ultimately, who will Who can help? Well, the truth of the matter is there's none of us that can help. Not ultimately. We can help for a while, but we can't help ultimately. Uh, look at what happened here in chapter 10 of 46. Now, the reason, see what I've got here. we got a blind beggar. Now, do you see why I'm talking about who will help? There's a blind beggar. Who will help him? Well, look what he—they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho, with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. Well, here we are in Jericho, allegedly one of the oldest cities around anywhere. The name Jericho. Uh, probably means fragrant in Arabic. All right, so, but that's not the real position of Jericho. Uh, hold your place there look back at Joshua chapter 6, if you want to turn there. Joshua chapter 6. Now, Jericho is supposed to be a fragrant, nice place. Okay. But Joshua chapter 6, verse 17. <laughs> this is about Jericho. Verse 17. And the city shall be accursed, even it and all that are therein to the Lord only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all that are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. So the city's accursed. Even go further than that. Uh, verse 26. And Joshua adjured them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord that riseth up and buildeth this city Jericho. He shall lay the foundation thereof, and his firstborn, his youth, youngest son, shall he set up the gates of it. So uh, cursed be the one that rise up and builds this city. The cities are cursed. All right, so you get a little problem there. Its true position is it's cursed by God. And the Lord never performed any miracles inside the city of Jericho. This one was outside the city of Jericho, but not in Jericho. So the, <coughs> this kind of describes the world. Now I heard a debate the other day between uh, Jason Lyle and uh, Hugh Ross. You know about Hugh, Hugh Ross? He's an astrophysicist. Claims he's a believer, a Christian. But he's got a whole organization designed to promote billions of years in evolution. He says he believes the Bible teaches all that. Yeah. So... This world, he says, oh, he says that the, you got 66 books in the Bible, but he believes the 67th book of the Bible is nature. I don't believe that you can look at a tree and learn doctrines of the Word of God. Now, you can look at it from Romans 1 look at a tree, look at the stars, the planets, and all that. And that will tell you that there is a God, a Creator God, and it tells you so much that everybody's without excuse. These people's all believe in God. Well, they're fools. They purposely blinded themselves against what what they're seeing because there's no way that all of this stuff could come about by itself. I mean, even to the point that these guys Dawkins and all them. We say, well, what about, what about the great complexity of, of the human eye, of the heart, of the of human being, of animals and uh, everything? <coughs> it just looks like there was design behind it. Now, if you see a watch laying there, there had to be design. If you walk up on a watch out there in the yard, you wouldn't give it a second thought that somebody had designed and fabricated that watch. you don't know who did it, but you know it had did not happen by itself. Is there anybody that would think that that watch could make itself? Anybody think that that watch could make itself? Well you'd have to be a, a, an utter idiot. And yet they teach this whole universe came about accidentally by itself. This world is cursed. People say, oh, look at God's beauty. And I hear that all the time, even from believers. But you need to be careful about that. Yes, we can see certain things that are beautiful. Certain scenes, certain mountain ranges and all of that. (coughs) But this planet is not friendly to human beings or to animals. It's very dangerous. You see those big snow-covered mountains and the beautiful music and you're flying over them all that. Drop down and land in those mountains and see in in a couple of minutes what kind of shape you're in. You won't live to get out of there very far. This planet is not human-friendly, man-friendly. Why? Isn't this what God made? No, it really isn't. God did not make this planet this way. What happened to it is that Adam sinned and the whole planet was cursed. Just like our bodies were cursed and all. So no, this is not. Did God make animals as we see them? I don't believe he did. I believe they have speciated a lot since that time. Are we like God created Adam and Eve? No, we're not. Adam and Eve didn't have the problems we have before they sinned. Adam and Eve did not have dementia, Alzheimer's, and everything else that you can think of. (laughs) They didn't have all that. So to say this planet, this uh, nature, is the 67th book of the Bible, he must not believe that Adam and Eve sinned. He must not believe in the fall... And besides that, this, this universe, this world, this earth has, has changed. It changed drastically in the Garden of Eden when he drove them out of the Garden of Eden. The world they came out in, into was not the world that God had just created, however long ago. And then, since then, there's been a universal, worldwide, global flood. Now I heard something else on that Uh, that's a BBC planet. They show all the nature stuff on the weekend. And I like that and I like to mute it because I don't like to listen to them tell their lies, their evolutionary lies. (coughs) But I heard them slip up on something. Now just how much turbulence was there during that year-long flood that was on the planet Earth. Well... We all we know about the gigantic volcanic explosion that took place up around Montana. everybody all the geologists all know about that that's that's pretty well known. But you know what they said about talking about the ocean and all that? There are more than thirty thousand. Volcanoes under the earth, and most of them are higher than Mount Everest. Mount Everest is almost six miles high. And there are volcanoes under the ocean that tall, 30,000 of them. They talk about what a small planet it is. Now, I've been over about half the ocean on planet Earth. And let me tell you what, there's a lot of it. I didn't know there was that many volcanoes down there. Can you imagine what this planet was when the flood came? And for however long the Lord did that, opened up the windows of heaven, and the fountains of the great deep were broken up, how much turbulence was there in this? When the flood was over, the flood waters abated. <coughs> Noah and his family came out of the ark. They didn't recognize the thing. They didn't see anything like what they saw before they got in the ark. So this world has changed, has changed at least twice in history, and so it is not near what God made. That's why we don't know where the Garden of Eden is. Because of the whole topography changed. I think we probably see the Euphrates River over there because they just renamed they named it that. Somebody remembered the name that it had been named that. Anyway, so the point the point I'm making is that what what people see in this world is not what really is. They, what they saw in Jericho, fragrant city. No, it was a cursed city we need to keep all that in our heads. Now, uh, with all of the fanatical environmentalists, you know, you know uh, Joe Biden says he's going to make it where by 1930 or 2033 or something like that, that half of the cars made are going to be electric. I think you'd be an utter fool to buy an electric car if for no other reason just to prove him wrong. But there's plenty of other reasons about that. And he gets everybody driving an electric car. Where are they going to get the electric to charge them? They'll have to go back to Hardin and get a load of coal. These fanatical environmentalists. Can they save planet earth? No. No, they can't because God's already judged her. He judged her way back in Noah's day by the same word that he said, I'm going to destroy everything that I've made. Except for Noah one his family found grace in his eyes. <coughs> and the animals that were put on the, the ark, the rest of them died he destroyed the planet. There was nothing left topography that existed before. Well, can they save the planet? Do you think them little curly cue light bulbs can save our planet? Do you think them things that are so expensive that they're stealing now on your on your exhaust system? Do you think they can save the planet? No, they can't save this planet. This planet is cursed. And it will be passing away with a loud noise. They just got the bang, big bang on the wrong end. Anyway, I say they can't. And is this world what you really want to invest in? Well, you say, well, I want, my, I want my money invested in this world, really. <coughs> what are you going to do with that investment when you leave it? you got to think about this stuff. <coughs> Put your time in for the Lord. Put your service in for the Lord. What you do for the Lord, you can send it on ahead. Amen. You can go to meet it. That's what David said this morning. A child can't come to me. I can go to him. Keep that in mind. Anyway, we look at the we've looked at the place of the miracle. Now look at the the condition of the man. Now Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, Bartimaeus, Bar uh, Simon, Bar Jonah, son of Jonah. That's who the Apostle Peter was. And this is Timaeus, the son of Timaeus, and that word Timaeus. Means unclean or polluted. Well, he was unclean, polluted. He was blind, physically helpless. In those days a blind man, a blind person had an awful rough way to go. Didn't have all these school for the blind and all that. Didn't have all that. He was a beggar. Wasn't bad enough, he was blind. But he's a beggar. And I'll tell you. uh, In this world. You don't want to be crippled. And you don't want to be poor. You don't want to be ugly. And you don't want to be fat. Because hardly anybody wants anything to do with you. Get your dog he will. But other than that. (coughs) Now think about this he was polluted he was defiled unclean polluted by his very name he was blind helpless physically helpless he was a beggar so socially he was a reject boy I'm glad I'm not that way well I don't know now just wait a minute Ah. You read Romans 3, and you come out and come to find out that just scratches the surface describing us. In your natural state, you're depraved. You're dead in trespasses and sins. Spiritually, you're dead to God. You have no life to God. Who's going to help you? Nobody. Nobody can help that condition. Uh, you are a beggar. You said, well, i got plenty of money. No, you don't. Not to God, you don't. That's why he said, blessed are the poor. Because they're poor and they know they're poor. Most of us poor and just don't know we're poor. Like a church at Laodicea. Didn't know they had need of anything. People, oh, I don't need that. I've had people tell me, I don't need that. You, you, you need to go talk to somebody else. I don't need all that. Yes, you do. You just, you just don't know it or you refuse to listen to it. Because you see, you're going to run out of time before long. Unlike Albert Einstein, who says time is a delusion, uh, it's really not because that, that time is going to catch up with you. How soon? I don't know, but it's sooner than you think. Anyway, so very much describing us as we are in Adam. And the truth is that we're all that and more before God and are helpless. None will help, and besides that, none can help. Don't blame people. Well, they don't help you. Well, they can't help you. You can't help them. Look at Jeremiah thirteen, verse one three. How big a problem is it to help anybody in this world? Well, look at Jeremiah thirteen twenty three. Can the Ethiopian change his skin? Michael Jackson should have read that years ago. Or the leopard his spots? Then may you also do good that are accustomed to do evil. That applies to Jews. Not applies to every human being. Amen. Nothing wrong with being an Ethiopian. Nothing wrong with being a leopard, but you can't change what you are. All this transgender garbage, and that's all it is, a bunch of psychos. You can't change what you are and what we are before God. We're lost in trespasses and sins in our natural selves. Well, Well, maybe everybody wants to help. Well, let's see if that's true. Look at verse 47. <coughs> now, this is talking about blind Bartimaeus, the blind beggar. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out. And say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Where did he find all that out at? He's a blind man. He can't go around reading anything. The rest of them weren't crying that. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. Just be quiet. He don't want to hear you. But he cried the more a great deal. (laughs) Couldn't shut him up. (laughs) Thou son of David, have mercy on me. My, 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 my. Well, look over John, John's gospel. Chapter 10. Verse twenty-seven. Oh, oh! This might shed a little light on that. John ten twenty-seven. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. <coughs> There's the answer. There's that blind Bartimaeus. Something. Something's. In him that not in the rest of them. So. When he called for the Lord. They tried to silence him. Now this is all that bunch. Oh we'll help. Yeah we'll help our fellow man. (coughs) I hear all that stuff. I hear Christmas time. And other times. (coughs) Excuse me. But the truth is, they didn't necessarily want to help him. All oh, they want to help those that can give back. Jesus addressed that. He said, when you invite somebody to your house to feed them, make sure it's those that can't invite you back to their house and feed you. That's Jesus' charity work. Anyway, they did not want to be bothered with even... Hearing from him. Psalm 142. David said in verse 4 I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me, no man cared. For my soul you ever feel like feel like that well if you have you have you have had a reason to feel that way every human being has had a reason to feel that way whether they have or not no man helped me but the truth is brother David they can't help you that's the truth you can give somebody money to get some food for now and all that uh, you can go, the doctor can perform miracles and surgery and all that, and you live a few years longer, but then you're going to be there again. And this time they ain't going to be able to do anything because you're going to die. And the truth of the matter is, we're all going to check out of here. I remember Ron Lacey said that they diagnosed him. The uh, doctor told him he had uh, colon cancer. And the doctor said, we need to set up some treatments for you. He said, no, not me. I'm not going to do all that. He said, what do you mean? You'll die. He said, we all got to go with something. We all got to go sometime. And he didn't submit to any treatment. he finally died. Uh, killed over David. Saw him die. Uh, he loved the Lord. You're trying to get. Get eternal life here. He had it there. (laughs) He had it with the Lord. So anyway. These people didn't want to be bothered listening to him. They weren't truly concerned about his welfare physically. And didn't know anything about it spiritually. They weren't concerned about him either way. And it's not wise. You kids don't know this. It's not wise to live your life. Concerned with what your buddies think about you. That's very foolish. Well, they're my buddies. I care what they think about me. You're a fool to do that. You care what God says about you. And you do what God says. I'll tell you what, it doesn't take long. Maybe some of you still are friends with your high school friends and stuff. I think most of mine did. Some of them, I couldn't even think of their names. And you know what? They probably can't think of your name. That's why if you go to a high school reunion, you better have name tags on because ain't nobody going to be able to recognize you or you won't be able to recognize anybody else. I've never been to one, but I've heard about it. Is that right? You better have a name tag. Somebody said, don't you remember me? No, I don't. Help me here. <laughs> well, because that's just about how much it matters. Don't be concerned about, well, if I tell them I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Christian and I'm not going to do that, they won't, they won't like me. You ought not to want them to like you. Because people that would, would turn you against God are not your friends. Anyway, It's a feel-good outlet that people have to help people. These charity works. Do you think these environmentalists are trying to save the planet for you? No, because those very ones want you to kill your babies, not let them be born, and you to go off and die to save this planet for the planet's sake. That's what they want. They say you are, you are the problem. You human beings are the problem. They never put themselves in that. But they don't want to save this planet for you. I don't know why they want to save it. They want to save it for something but not for us. Uh, <coughs> I hope you never have to do this. Some people game the system, and that's wrong. Some people get help from welfare because they're not able to do anything for themselves, physically, mentally. There are people that need help, and they do get some help from welfare. But I have heard and seen You ought to see how most of them are treated by welfare. They're treated as so much dirt under somebody's feet. Now, if I'm wrong, you tell me about it. But that's exactly because they're they're there because they've got a good job. They're not there to help the downtrodden. They're there because they've got a good job. That's exactly what it is. Now, many missionaries struggle to live on a mission field because they get no support or very little support. Then you got some that get wealthy because they got a get a gift of gab, and they can write letters and they can do and they and they can entertain everybody and people like them. I've seen some of the best missionaries practically starve on the field. George Beam was one of them because he wasn't an outgoing preacher. He couldn't entertain you from the pulpit. But he got, in, he got in the harness and pulled. He labored in the word and doctrine. He did a, he did a job, didn't get much support, get, didn't get much help at all. Because people are not so concerned about getting the gospel out, they're concerned about getting, entertain, getting entertained. That's, that's just the awful truth of it. Well, all these people didn't really understand Bartimaeus' need. They had no, no compassion for a blind man. Well, it's terrible to be blind. My eyes are not near what they used to be, and I can understand a little bit of that, just a taste of it. But what if you're totally blind? It's rough to get around in this world. It's terrible. And do you have any compassion for, well, these people didn't have much for him. But they also uh, didn't understand what was going on in his heart. So they have these schemes to get converts. That's what all these churches are doing. They have the big bands and the big movie screens and just all of the entertainment. And they're going to get converts that way. Well, that's not the way God gets converts. As a matter of fact, this bunch of people here had not one thing to do with blind Bartimaeus' salvation. <laughs> They had nothing to do, absolutely nothing to do with it. Look at verse 48. Yeah, many charged him that he should hold his peace. In verse 49, Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Now, oh, now that Jesus said, they said, oh, well, Something good for you here. He's calling for you. We're trying to keep you away from me. He's calling for you. Oh, they had nothing to do with anything. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. I assume he was sitting on on the street trying to keep warm. But he cast aside his garment, and he stood up and came to Jesus. Well, how did he know to get there? He was blind. He heard him. My people hear my voice. Yeah, he heard him. Well, they tried to quiet him. They tried to say, "Keep, keep, just keep quiet." No, <laughs> you can't keep him quiet. He's not going to be quiet. And they tried to quiet him, and but he. Knew who was calling him. Now everybody who knows Christ has experienced this. Now when did he come to know the Lord? I don't know, but he already said son of David twice. He insisted on that. He knew something the rest of them didn't know. Now, when he came to him, he said, I I want to get my eyesight if it's possible. He said, what wilt thou that I should do unto thee? And the blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. That's a legitimate request. And Jesus said unto him, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. And he said, thy faith hath made thee whole. He already had faith. That's pretty obvious with what he was calling Jesus, the son of David. So, salvation is still the Lord. Isn't that right, David? Absolutely. No way that you can make it any way else. So who will help? The truth of the matter is... Our help is so limited. And we can't help ultimately. There's only one who will. There's only one who can. And that's the Lord himself.